You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I'm your host. On this episode, Irini from At Easy Reads with a Z joins me to talk about Greek reads. This is something that is both close to our hearts for different reasons. Um, There's so many books about Greek myths and retellings on the market at the moment, but I promise there are no spoilers in this episode. So hopefully you will walk away with a few new reads for your TBR and a new appreciation for this very special genre. Hello, Irini. Welcome back to the Bookstorian podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back and to to be chatting with you again. I've been looking forward to this chat for so long for many reasons. A, to talk to you again, because we absolutely smashed an episode in season one, all about the pull of the stars. And that's episode four for people who are interested. And I really love Greek myths and ancient history in general. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited. I feel like the market is so saturated with these types of books now so it's a really relevant episode to delve into and hopefully uh, we can give people some new recommendations um, of different Greek reads and different um, retellings of Greek myths. Yeah absolutely I think when I first started um, diving into the Greek myth genre I I just didn't realize um, how many awesome books there are out there so I'm super excited to to dig in deep with you today. Well, before we do that, I am going to ask you the icebreaker question. And the icebreaker question I have for you is, what are you currently reading? So um, yesterday evening, uh, so I'm currently in isolation. Um, so excuse me if I'm a little bit nasally. I do have COVID, so I am on the mend. Um, but it has meant that I have had a lot of time to watch lots of Netflix and also catch up on some reading, uh, which has been quite slow this year. So last night I decided to pick up David Attenborough's A Life on Our Planet. Um, I've got my pen handy and I've been underlining so many um, awesome passages and lines uh, in there. And I'm also listening to The Ripping Tree on Box. Um, So that's been really great too. And who's The Ripping Tree by? Uh, The Ripping Tree is by Nikki Jamel, I think is how I pronounce that surname. Thank you. They, um, I really like the look of the cover of the ripping tree, like those bright oranges and reds. Yeah, and all the pinks through. It's it's a very pretty um, cover. Yeah, and you're enjoying that book? Yeah, it's it's a bit slower, um, so I'm glad I'm listening to it on audio uh, rather than, than reading it. I do have a physical copy, so sometimes I do read a few chapters here and there, um, but I am really enjoying listening to it. Oh, that's good. I am, I'm currently reading The Paper Palace by Miranda Crowley Heller. So this was a a Reese's book club pick, I think sometime last year. Um, And it's actually my current book club pick uh, and book clubs tomorrow, but I've only got a few chapters and I'm done. (laughs) Um, But interesting. Yeah. So I'll get there. I'll get it done. And I also, I like listening to podcasts about the books as well before I go to book club too. Um, and even just have like a little bit of time to think about the book um, and what sorts of questions I want to ask. Um, which um, in case you didn't know, like in case any of the listeners didn't know, um, Reese's uh, book club is actually an app 
now. So for each of her books, she has a wealth of information about them. Um, so I want to like dive into that too before tomorrow and see if there's anything in there that's worth bringing up for book club. Um, but the book is essentially about a character called Elle um, and about the Paper Palace, which is a place that her family visits every summer. Um, and essentially what sort of happens to the book is like we're propelled um, into the past. So we have a present timeline, but then it shifts back and forward in time, um, which I really don't mind in a book. Like I like piecing together the puzzle pieces of time, um, so to speak. And before I started reading it, a few people mentioned to me that like, it's just not really going anywhere. There's not much happening. So for me reading the book, I kind of went in going, okay, don't expect too much to be happening and just enjoy the story as it is. Um, and I think that's why I'm enjoying it more so than other people in my book club at the moment, because I've gone in with a little bit more like open arms and not expecting, um, a normal, like linear narrative to occur, but I, I am enjoying it. Um, it's definitely very like dark and emotional. And, um, if people have, have certain, um, themes or issues that they find triggering, I would definitely recommend have a good look into what those trigger warnings are, um, before you pick it up. But. Yeah, it is, it is well told and it's beautifully written as well. I could definitely see it becoming like a film or a television series. You haven't. Yeah, that's awesome. Have it's you read sitting that on my, No, oh. it's sitting on my shelf. I did, I did get it over the Christmas period. Um, so my birthday's in January. So I do often get lots of books over Christmas and yeah. January. So it is sitting there along with a few others um, like David Attenborough. So I am, there is a plan to, to start to get through some of those. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being an ISO help. So can you yeah. turn to some of those books that have been especially, sitting on my TBR? Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're up for reading as well, like you feel like you can um, handle it. I actually find the Paper Palace, it's quite quick to get through. Mm. Like even the format and the layout of the book, like there's a lot of blank pages in between chapters um, and there's like the chapter headings will have like a whole page. So it's actually yeah. like, it looks longer than it actually is. It's a bit deceptive like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sometimes, um, well, recently I've been looking at some of the books and, and choosing the smaller ones just so I can yeah. propel myself through them. Um, yeah. so that's good to know. Maybe I'll pick it up. Yeah. Um, and like I said, going with open arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Irina, you have a bookstagram account and your handle is at easy reads with a Z. Can you please describe your bookstagram feed for my listeners? I'm going to describe it this time as probably like chaotically haphazard. So um, I think last time I, I did describe it as very much based on the seasons, whereas I do feel like recently it's kind of just wherever I am in the moment I'm taking that picture or... Um, whatever I feel like in that moment, that's kind of what seems to be happen happening. So I'm not, um, I guess, um, planning a lot of my photos, but rather just, just going based off how I feel or where I am when I'm reading that book. Um, so I have, I have read a few in the last couple of days and you'll notice in the, in the coming weeks, um, they'll all just be of my bed or my lamp or, um, just within my bedroom. So um, that's probably my feed at the moment. Um, I do, I do often just, uh, I do try and be really genuine on there. So I am um, often just posting where I'm at or 
whether I am reading at that moment or uh, if I'm taking a little break or have been struggling to to dive into a book. So, um, yeah, I would say that's probably been my feed. And I like that you have a range of like diverse reads in terms of their content and genres, but also in terms of how you read. So you've got a physical book or an ebook or an audio book. So if you are a reader who you don't just settle in for one particular style of book, Irini's bookstagram account would also be a really great place for you to go um, and have a flick through all the different reads that she has on there. Um, so where did you actually come up with your handle name, Marini? Because we didn't, I didn't ask you this uh, last time. And I actually really like asking people this because it's not always a really obvious answer that they give. So where did your handle come from? So um, I have a nickname and that nickname is Easy E. Um, and that nickname originated one day when I was in the car with my boyfriend and I started rapping an Easy E song. Um, so from there, that's, that's how the nickname originated. Um, and, and now all of his friends and family call me Easy or Easy E. Um, and so I thought that that was a really, um, funny, funny way to, to, you know, pull it into my love of reading. And it was also quite punny. So, um, that's, that's how I got my Easy Reads name. I absolutely love it. That was not the answer I was <laughs> expecting at all. It's funny, my parents get really upset when his family um, or his friends call me easy because they obviously associate it with something quite different. <laughs> easy, easy rapper. I really wish you would have wrapped your response now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a bit short of breath, so maybe not this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you come on the podcast again in future, you'll have to be prepared to wrap some kind of response. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Easy, E, what's your favourite <laughs> photo that you've ever posted? So I think um, I'm, I'm going to answer that by saying I really absolutely adored um, Sally Rooney's Beautiful World, Where Are You? last year. Um, and I did do a three-part review and I was really happy with all three of those photos. It was such a sunny day um, and uh, there was a photo of... Um, the book in the mirror, um, just at the front of my door. Um, there was beautiful light coming in my room that day. So the book had a really gorgeous shadow over it. Um, and then I also took a selfie in my mirror in my room as well. Um, and I really just um, loved all three of those photos and um, was really proud of that review as well. Nice. I'll have to have a hunt back through and find it so I can visualize it as well. <laughs> So, Irini, uh, we've bonded over many a good book, but uh, in particular, definitely books that are about Greek myths. And I know one of the books I'm actually going to mention today, you recommended to me and I recommend it to so many other people. Um, one thing that I want to ask first before we actually delve into this chat is what do you love about Greek myth stories? So for anyone who doesn't know, I am of Greek heritage. Um, so my parents, my, my grandparents migrated to Australia um, in the 50s. Um, and there, so uh, my dad was also born in Greece, sorry. So he, he came out when he was, he was an infant. So um, I'm technically, I think, second generation. Um, but my grandparents still don't speak um, great English. 
they they speak well enough to to get them by but uh, when we communicate we're always talking greek and um when we were younger we would we would go and stay with my grandparents during the holiday season and my grandfather's a very proud greek man um and often when we were going to sleep he would tell us the stories of different greek myths um, and quiz us on words and things along the way to make sure that our vocabulary was okay but um a lot of those myths are, are part of how I grew up, um, not only with my grandparents, but also with my siblings. So I absolutely love reading modern retellings um, about those myths and also seeing, I guess, uh, the evolution of them based on where we're at in society and culturally as well at the moment compared to, you know, where my grandfather was um, so many years ago. Uh, so that's why I absolutely love, love reading them. It's such a special connection that you have to those stories. And um, I'm sure every time, yeah, you pick up a book or you hear about another one, you've instantly got that connection um, back to your family, which is really lovely. Um, I have just always loved history, um, particularly ancient history. And I think I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but watching horrible histories growing up on TV, like I always used to love the episodes that would be about the ancient world more so. Um, and I think that similar to what you said in the idea that like myths and stories from this time particularly tell us a lot about the society. So reading a Greek myth or um, whether or not it's in its purer form, so something like the Odyssey, or whether or not it's in a retelling, it is definitely evolving and telling us about um, the world and the people's beliefs and practices. Um, Greece or ancient Greece for me is also the birthplace of theatre, not just for me, for everybody. <laughs> um, but I love theatre and I love history. And so ancient Greece is the place where those two worlds kind of like collide and explode. Um, and many of, and many Greek myths are also staged um, and, or referenced in stage plays as well. So um, there's a few little connections there for me. And um, yeah, I'm even going to include a play in my response today. <laughs> oh, love that. <laughs> So if people are listening to this and they haven't started reading a Greek myth or a Greek story before, where do you think they should start? What's the first one you think they should pick up? Um, so my absolute love would be Circe. Um, and that was probably the first that I read that really propelled me down um, Greek myth genre. Um, I absolutely loved the way Madeline Miller just discussed um, this character who I had heard of, but only on the brink of so many stories. Um, and she really pulled her into focus and she addresses so many characters um, that are so prominent in Greek mythology. Um, but, you know, keeping Circe at the centre of that. Um, I would also probably recommend Mythos by Stephen Fry. I think he uh, wonderfully captures origins of mythology and um, how we got to where we got to, um, how everything has a meaning and he really, I guess, um, strips back and addresses uh, a lot of the fundamentals that uh, if you haven't been exposed to mythology at all, um, he explains them really well and quite humorously as well. I was also going to say Circe and for very similar reasons as well. 
Um, I actually read Circe, I think for the first time, maybe 2017 or 2018. Um, and I reread it in December last year because I had read a few other myths and stories. And I was like, you know what? I need to go back to Circe and reread it. So, so many other connections and stories started to make sense. Um, and interestingly enough, I recently finished reading the Odyssey and um, actually like Circe barely gets a few little lines really. Um, <laughs> but it was still good nonetheless to actually see how she's referenced um, in those stories and how Madeline Miller, Miller actually just gave her her, com her own narrative. Um, the other one that I was going to say as well is the Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, but I also want to say to people, don't read the Song of Achilles and finish and end there. Like, don't let that be the only one um, that you actually pick up and engage with um, Greek myth, because there's so many other stories on the fringe of that story that are just as um, important and valuable. Um, and for me, look, I love a strong female protagonist. So whilst I liked the Song of Achilles and what it explores and what it tells, I think there's so much more power in the women behind these stories and um, what they actually carry and do in the world. I think. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting um, tying back to our conversation or our point about culture is, you know, when these stories were first being written or told, obviously males were absolutely at the forefront of them. Yeah. Um, and often the females were either on the fringe or um, were the antagonists in a lot of these stories. So it's really um, great to see a lot of these retellings and how they are focused on those female characters um, and they put them at the center as well. Yeah, definitely. And there's more and more of their stories coming out and being told, obviously from um, a modern day perspective, but they're certainly um, no less valuable to me anyway. Um, and talking about those stories um, and women at the forefront of those stories, I think my favorite story about women in Greek myths would have to be A Thousand Ships by Natalie Haynes. Um, I actually loved this more than The Song of Achilles. And it's a collection of stories from the perspective of women, whether they're mortal or immortal, um, in the aftermath of the Trojan War. And I love that it just shifted between perspectives and it was like these little snapshots of their lives and where they were at. Um, it was definitely one of my top reads of 2021. And like Natalie Haynes just has this beautiful way of writing. Like it was very poetic or dare I say epic. Um, and it just <laughs> gave voice to so many women in history who've only ever been mentioned when um, a story has been told about men. Um, Natalie Haynes is within her own right, a very like academic woman. And she's also quite funny as well. Um, so I would definitely want to plug um, standing up for history and she actually goes into um, she has a series it is on audible so quite, you know that's unfortunately that's the only way that I know how to engage with it here in Australia um, but she has like little episodes that are each on different uh, people from from history so it's not just necessarily Greek um, and she yeah it's just it's quite funny how she kind of modernizes it or she interviews people about um, particular topics or about particular like famous people from these times. Um, so she's actually, she's 
quite, um, she's quite knowledgeable about the area as well. Like she's not just picking up and actually um, writing about it. She actually just lives and breathes Greek mythology. And if you follow her on Instagram, she has a mythology figure of the week and actually shares something about um, different people from Greek myths as well. Um, oh, that's awesome. Have you read A Thousand Ships yet? I haven't. Oh. It's actually um, it's, it's sitting there on um, on my TBR. I I do really need to get myself a coffee, a copy. Yeah. Um, I feel as though um, this conversation is really going to respark my um, <laughs> my intrigue, and so I'm probably uh, as soon as we hang up, I'll probably end up on um, some sort of book store ordering yeah. a whole bunch of Greek mythology novels. So I'm very excited. Excellent. A Thousand, well, Ships, <laughs> a thousand Ships was a little bit difficult to find. Um, I ended up finding it on Booktopia and then just had to sit and wait for the shipment of it to come in. So it, I don't know. Hopefully there's more copies of it out there than there was when I tried to find one towards the end of last year. But yeah, absolutely yeah. beautiful read. Um, what about you? What's your favourite story about women in Greek myths? Oh, um, I tell you what, I, I really loved um, how so many authors have decided to, to put them at the forefront of um, mythology. Uh, so I, a notable mention goes to Ariandhi, which um, came out, I think, last year. Um, I really adored that exploration. Um, Pandora's Jar, that was also fantastic. So um, that would probably be... Uh, an awesome non-fiction read as well uh, for people that want to to dive into the non-fiction side of things um she she um takes each chapter and uh talks about a, a woman or women a group of women um in each of those chapters and analyzes them um how they got to where they were why they were referenced they way the way they were culturally um a lot of a lot of them, like I mentioned earlier, um, are portrayed as antagonists, and and the way that uh, they're explored in these essays is really interesting because it it really talks to that to that cultural difference and analyzes how they got to where they were and why um, a lot of their actions were deemed as um, you know a negative thing or or something evil or something to be scared of. Um, so I would definitely recommend that one as well. That one segues beautifully into my next question, which was all around non-fiction, a non-fiction book. And that was going to be my answer. And you recommended that read to me. Um, it was a good mm. audio book as well. Um, if people mm. are like listening and you like audio books, particularly around non-fiction um, genre of book. I really liked the chapter on Medusa. Um, I thought that, that her whole image changed in my mind she's actually quite wronged in the fact that her origin story and um, how she came about to be someone with a head full of snakes um, to be quite interesting. And I really like anything about Penelope. Like I think she's, Me too. yeah, she just <laughs> like, you. I think there's more there. And I was really disappointed in how she was portrayed in the Odyssey. Like in the Odyssey, she was just portrayed as this like woman that just cried all the time. But I, yeah. yeah, I think there's going to be so much more to her. Like she sat around waiting for her husband for 20 years. Like surely she's just not in there crying every day about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and 
and yeah, and, and how Natalie Haynes goes in to talk about Penelope as well um, is quite interesting. I even really adored how she, she talked about the Amazons. That was not something mm. that I've seen um, or read about that extensively um, and not even something that I, I would say I totally associated with Greek mythology. So I really loved um, diving into that and even just her description about Pandora as well. Um, I hadn't, hadn't read anything like that before. Um, so I really, really ex- loved that, that exploration. Yeah. And even something as simple as like, we've been talking about Pandora's box, but it actually would have been a jar. And then talking about what Greek jars were like and how easy it actually probably would have been to knock one over um, and to let chaos <laughs> out into the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we've had a little bit of a chat about why we love Greek myths. We've also talked about where to start um, as well as female representation and non-fiction recommendations. What is a Greek myth or retelling that is a must read? Oh, that is such a tough question. Um, I feel like there's still so many more um, that I need to read in in order to be able to to come up with a conclusive answer. Um, I guess for me, stories uh, around Troy, I haven't really um, dived in deep. I know there's a lot more out there um, and that's something that I really want to do in the coming year so that I can have, I guess, a a really holistic picture um, on so many of the retellings. Um, But for me at the moment, I would say uh, an absolute must read would definitely have to be Circe. I I cannot rave about that book enough. I I really, really loved it um, and I'm so glad I picked that up. Definitely echo those sentiments for sure. Um, So this is where my play comes into being. Um, And look, this one is difficult because I feel like plays are meant to be watched, not read. So when I give the recommendation, you can read it or see if you can find a theatre adaption of it somewhere. Uh, But mine is Medea by Euripides. And it is an ancient Greek tragedy about revenge and about desperation. Um, It's a little bit dark uh, and definitely very heartbreaking, but it really just explores the lengths a woman will go to for revenge. Um, It was shocking in its time when it was first performed in ancient Greece. And it's, it's still shocking today. Like there's no um, dancing around that point. If you have read Circe, um, Medea is mentioned in that and Medea also has her own chapter in Pandora's jar. Um, but it's just, it's just something you kind of need to read and see like she, her husband, Jason, um, who she's basically like up and, and as she's up and left her own family, um, and killed her own brother, like in favor of Jason. Um, and then he decides to run off with another woman because she's a princess. And if he marries her, he'll become king one day. Like just, yeah, absolutely does the dirty on her. So Medea um, is quite wrong, like quite rough. Medea is quite wronged. Um, and seeing what she does with that is interesting nonetheless. And stories like this still exist today. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I'm sure when when that was first written or, um, you know, seen, 
uh, since it is a play, it, it would have just, she would have just been like the worst character in the world because how could she go and do all of that? Whereas, you know, in today's society, um, you'd almost be like, power to you, girl. Like, he did you a dirty, you do what you have to do. So um, yeah. it's very interesting, you know, reading these stories and analysing them from a modern day perspective. Yeah. And even at the at the time when it was written, considering that um, for tragedies, it's debated as to whether um, men and women were both actually allowed to watch. So it's there's two different types of plays, um, satirical, or like satires, that was deemed too inappropriate for, for women to go and watch. Um, but something like Medea, which was a tragedy, that potentially women were allowed to go and watch because there was some kind of like story that they um, were meant to learn from. Um, but for Medea, <laughs> it's quite shocking um, in its time that not only did she have her own play that was about a woman, which uh, I know I'm going a bit drama teacher here, so forgive me. Medea would have originally been played by a man because women were not on the stage until Shakespeare's time. So when you layer all that on top of it, you've got a male playwright and then you have a male actor, um, a mostly male audience. And then suddenly you have this very um, powerful and revenge seeking woman at the forefront. It's um, yeah, it's fascinating. I could talk about it all day, (laughs) (laughs) but moving on. um, I look, I normally use the podcast for books that I really love and books that I liked and enjoyed. I don't normally tend to bring down any books because I know um, just how much time and effort and energy goes into writing a book. And just because I don't like it doesn't mean other people will. Um, But I thought that this was a space on this particular episode that it would be interesting to discuss. Uh, What is a Greek myth retelling that has disappointed you? To be honest, I don't have one. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you. Yeah, I'm not sure if you do, but I. I don't have one. I think um, they all have their place. Mm. Um, yes, there's absolutely been certain writing that I've preferred. Um, there's certain stories that I prefer, um, but there hasn't been. I haven't read anything that's that's completely taken me aback, and I've just been like, I really don't like this. I don't think I've even given something three stars or less, to be honest. So. Um, so far, so good. But if that changes, I'll absolutely let you know. <laughs> well, that's that's good. Like that's that's awesome to know that you've read um, so many good adaptions. Um, for me, look now, mine. It's kind of difficult because I really wanted to read it, and it actually took me a, a while to find a copy of. So I felt like the hype was built up really high by the time I finally got a copy of it and read it. Um, And mine is the silence of the girls by Pat Barker. Um, I have said before that I feel like it was because I had read the song of Achilles very closely to it. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a very, very similar story, but I felt like it was just a reworking of the song of Achilles And I didn't really get anything new from it. And I went in going, all right, this is going to be a female retelling. This is what I want. This is what I really enjoy. But it just kept circling back to Achilles at the center of everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's just so many more people there. And it was told from the perspective of a female slave that was taken from Troy. Um, Briseis, I think Mm -hmm. is how you pronounce her name. And yeah, I just, it fell a bit flat 
for me um, in that respect. But that's not to say if I had read it before I read the Song of Achilles, I might have absolutely loved it. <laughs> it's been over a year since I've read um, the Song of Achilles and I haven't read The Silence of the Girls just yet because of that. Um, that was a lot of feedback that, that I had read. So um, again, that's on my TBR, but it's probably one that I can pick up this year just because it has been been some time since I've I've read anything about that story. So it'd be interesting to to compare notes and and see how I felt about it versus how you felt about it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, definitely. <laughs> so we have mentioned a few reads that are on your TBR that are patiently waiting for you to pick them up, Arini. But is there a particular Greek myth retelling that is on your TBR you would like to get to that we haven't yet mentioned? <laughs> Um, so, so there is a book called Cassandra, a novel and four essays by Krista Wolf, um, and that is uh, written. So, Cassandra um, is part of the fall of the fall of Troy. Um, so, that's an, a story that I've been really, really eager to to pick up. But I am struggling to find a copy of that, um, other than other than it being on Amazon. So, um, I'll have to keep keep looking and seeing if I can, I can get myself a copy. Um, but another one I'm also very excited about is Electra. Um, I think that's either just come out or is coming out. So um, I'm very excited to, to get my hands on that one as well. Mine's Electra as well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do a buddy read. We'll have to read it together. Yes. <laughs> Electra um, is by Jennifer Saint. And it's a story about three women. So Cassandra, who uh, you just previously mentioned as well, she's a princess of Troy. Um, she is Hector's sister. So if anyone's familiar with that story of Troy, that's how close Cassandra is to the action. Um, it is also about Clytemnestra, who is Agamemnon's wife, and Electra, who is then Clytemnestra's and Agamemnon's daughter. So um, for those who don't know, Clytemnestra actually um, has her husband murdered when he returns home. So Agamemnon has 10 years in, in Troy, makes it home only to then die once he gets there. Um, so um, thinking of Electra um, and thinking of the fact that her mother has arranged for the death of her father. Um, but then interestingly enough as well, um, Agamemnon arranges for one of his daughters to be sacrificed to the gods. So Agamemnon also kills one of his daughters. So Electra also has that on her mind that um, her father's also killed her, her sister. Um, so there's a lot going on in there. Um, and I tragedy, think that... <laughs> yes, typical Greek tragedy. Yeah. So there's a lot going on um, and and. Each of those women um, have a connection to Helen um, in some way, shape or form. Um, and the cover is also incredible. Like it's this bright green and gold detailing set, in, set against the black background. Um, and it's due to be published on the 28th of April by Hachette. So yeah, eagerly awaiting that one. Absolutely, me too. And uh, the other one that I will throw in there as well, because neither one of us have brought it up, is Pandora by Susan Stokes Chapman. So we've mentioned Pandora a, a fair bit today, um, but this one's got a bit of a dual timeline behind it um, in the fact that it's set in London in 19, uh, sorry, it's set in London in 1799. Um, and Dora Blake, who is one of the lead characters in here, she's an aspiring jewelry artist um, and they discover a mysterious Greek vase 
Um, and then she then enlists the help of a scholar to help kind of like unlock the secrets behind this vase. But the idea that the book's called Pandora, surely the vase is Pandora's and that's where <laughs> we're going with it. Um, so we'll see what that one will uh, take the shape of. But yeah, that's another one that I'm, I'm interested in. Yeah, that's awesome. And my final question for you is what myth, god or goddess would you actually like to see retold? So someone who we haven't got enough from yet, who, who do you want to know about? I, I'm not sure if there's anyone specific, but I, I really, really love the story of Troy. Um, that was one of the stories that my grandfather told us religiously. So I'd, I'd love to see um, more versions of that um, from different perspectives. Whatever those perspectives are, um, I'm, I'm definitely open to, but uh, that's definitely a story I think I could spend forever reading about um, in, in different versions and variations. Do you um, have, do you have? Well, I was just going to say to you that Pat Barker also has uh, The Women of Troy, which is the sequel mm. of The Silence of the Girls. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure that, well, yeah, I'm not sure if that's one that you've come across. Um, but for me, this comes back to what you also. Oh, you've gone on mute. Accidentally muted myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one actually comes back to one of the things that you liked about Pandora's Jar. And I really think it would be great to have a story from the Amazons, just the Amazons, um, and especially Penthesilea. I'm going to say that again. Especially Penthesilea. So she actually led an army of Amazons to fight in Troy against the Greeks, but she was killed by Achilles. And it said that Achilles actually mourned her death. Like he killed her, but then he was also like, yeah, no, she was a great warrior. Like, going to mourn her that's sad that I've been the one that killed her um and we see that this um plays out a little bit in the song of Achilles I think she's mentioned I was trying to remember where I, I heard about her um but to be a woman leading other women at that time uh when most women aren't involved in any kind of war or combat I just think that this would be a really cool story and one that like it doesn't necessarily have to have a love story or a romance in but just one about like fierce females amazons like not really needing men in their lives i think it would just be a really interesting narrative to know more about <laughs> yeah that's so true that's such a good point i think it would be great to see um i think the idea that there isn't a love interest in there would be really mm. interesting to explore um and it'd be really interesting to, to I guess, um, have somebody analyse or, or discuss the story of, you know, how, how they get nurtured from when they're young to how they turn into these Amazon warriors and, and the types of things that they see and, and how you can have, you know, that duality. You can, you can be that warrior, but, you know, they've probably got um, your more typical female characteristics that are often explored as well. Um, so it'd be, that'd be really interesting, actually. That's such a good point. Yeah. I, um, if you are listening or even if you're interested, Irini, um, one of the podcasts that I really enjoy listening to is called History is Sexy. And they did an episode on the Amazons. It's episode 58 um, and it's Were the Amazons Real? Um, and they mm -hmm. go in and talk about a whole bunch of things to do with the Amazons, including uh, one of the myths that surrounds them is that they actually cut off their breasts. Um, so they talk about that. 
Um, and yeah, they, they talk about a few things and um, they give some evidence about the Amazons um, and how they lived and who they were, this female tribe of warrior women in the ancient world. That's awesome. I'll have to get you to send me the link. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a um, it's a good listen. They have a, a a range of different episodes about a whole heap of different historical things, and yeah, it's good like banter and chat between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, cool. That's awesome. Um, is there anything we've missed? Is there any other like books that you want to touch base on or talk about that we haven't covered at all? The only two, so there's two books um, that I do want to mention. The first is The Penelopead. Yes. Um, by Margaret Atwood. Um, yeah. I read that really quickly. I really loved that. Um, well, I didn't think it brought anything new to the table um, in, terms of a, of a, in terms of a fresh perspective, but I still really loved the way she um, attacked that story and, um, just the way she represented it. And, um, yeah, my little brother had just started um, reading it and studying it at school. So um, it was it was really great to be able to connect with him on that one as well. Yeah, I do re- really like that read and the, like, the, um, the Greek chorus as well that comes into play. Like, it's a very unusually written book. It's a very little book. Um, and look, it actually, it could also kind of be an entrance book, like a place where to start as well, mm. because um, hopefully like Penelope's story might be a little known because Odysseus is such this huge and important character um, within the story too. Um, the only, well, I have mentioned the Odyssey a few times, but I did finally read it. If anyone's interested in reading it, I would recommend the Emily Wilson translation it's beautiful um textured pages it's big it took me ages it put me into a bit of a reading slump um (laughs) because homer just tends to like go on a lot about stuff but it sort of tied Mm -hmm. things together and it was nice to actually read the source material um that potentially like sets up a lot of things like circe um about like a thousand ships those sorts of things so it was nice to read it um, but yeah, it's not for the faint hearted. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the only other one I want to mention as well is Piranesi. I'm not sure if that technically gets classified as Greek mythology, um, but a lot of people do kind of put it under that umbrella. Um, I think it's probably more Roman, um, but that was such a clever, unusual, um, little great book, um, so that's by Susanna Clark. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's by Susanna Clark. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I think you'll probably fall on either camp. You'll either um, think, what the hell did I just read and, and dislike it? Or you'll absolutely love it. So uh, maybe not as an entrance into this type of genre, um, but definitely put it on the list if it's, if it's something that you've been thinking about reading. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Bookstoring Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved having this conversation. Me too. Hopefully um, there's some book shopping in your horizon. <laughs> it'll make you feel better. Yeah, definitely. I think, <laughs> I think it'll be um, the antidote to my COVID sore throat. Um, <laughs> lots, lots of new Greek myth books. <laughs> And now a sweet treat just for you as you listen to the entire episode. Here is a little clip of what to expect in next week's podcast.
Okay, let's spin. Okay. All right. It is a book about art or an artist. Ah. Oh, I, I'm excited for this one. <laughs> Lovely. Do you want to go first or shall I? Uh, you can go first. Okay. Mine is Chromatopia by David Cole. Mm. And I have, I have read part of it, but it is, it's one of those books that's like a coffee table book. So oh, it's not necessarily something you sit down and immerse yourself in like you would a novel. Um, yeah. It's almost a bit like a, like, you know, when you go to a, a gallery or a museum and you would pick mm -hmm. up a book and you, whilst you might not necessarily sit down and read it cover to cover, you kind of pick up little bits and pieces. So that's yes. probably how I would describe chromatopia. Oh, and in particular, chromatopia is about the history of color pigments. Oh, wow goes into different color pigments so things like the color blue that's used in queen nefertiti's um crown like a very mm -hmm. famous crown uh it talks yep. about like that pure noble purple color that we see associated with the roman empire and that really oh, wow. rare expensive sea snail that it comes from um it's just it's so it's so good for someone who loves history like i do and i really oh, like wow history in terms of art like art history is something that's um i find really fascinating this book goes yeah. into all those like little nitty-gritty things about color pigments so yeah that sounds like an amazing read you have been listening to the bookstore in podcast don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on instagram at the bookstore in podcast